We are wrapping up our series in Esther um, today. I hope that you all have found yourselves uh, challenged and blessed uh, by this series. As I was preparing to close the series today, I was praying through what is it uh, that would be a good bookend uh, to this series. And I thought about what we've talked about so far with Esther and how in Esther we see this incredible work that God does when we surrender ourselves to him, how he can show up um, in places and difficult circumstances, and how he can use anybody uh, to do his work. Um, if we were to fast forward uh, to Esther chapter 9, which I'm not going to do today, I'm just going to refer to it, uh, but it talks about in Esther chapter 9, if you want to go back and look at it sometimes, uh, but it talks about how uh, the people who were opposing the Jews at that time, on the same day that they had hoped to overpower them, it talks about how the opposite happened, how God showed up and that, that didn't happen. Then it talks about Mordecai, and it talks about how Mordecai uh, gets promoted and how Mordecai receives all this honor. And it's incredible how the story ends, you know? But when I look over the book of Esther and I look over everything that God had done, the most pivotal place and the most pivotal point in the uh, book of Esther for me where things really shifted, where things really changed, is when when Esther decides, I am going to fast and pray. One of the things I want to look at as we wrap up this series today is I want to look at the power of prayer. I want to look at the power of prayer. And so um, I want you to go to two places with me before I open us uh, up in prayer. I want to kind of give you a heads up. I'm going to uh, start in 1 Thessalonians, and then I'm going to jump to Colossians, okay? And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation so you can get yourselves ready to uh, start in Thessalonians, and then we'll flip to Colossians. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I'm going to start at verse 16. And it says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's pray one more time. God, we thank you so much for this day that uh, this is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, God, we ask that by your spirit today you will come in this place, change us, challenge us, draw us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we all say together, amen. Um, Y'all, can I tell you something? Uh, the fan, they, got a, uh, they gave me some air today. They pointed it to me today, so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hopeful. Uh, but I remember back in the day when I was growing up at church, they used to hand out the fans with the little wooden. Yeah, does anybody know what I'm about? The little wooden sticks, and it had a picture of Martin Luther King on it usually. Um, but that's what we used in church, and you would fan yourself the whole service. You had splinters in your hands and all kinds of stuff, but you want hot. But thank God for technology and fans on today. Uh, <laughs> so I am grateful. But let's go ahead and uh, finish talking about prayer. You all know, as you're getting used to me, I always have a little side commentary. <laughs> but I want to talk about prayer, right? And I want to talk about this idea of unceasing prayer, 
unceasing prayer. What does that mean? What does unceasing prayer mean? Does that mean we pray every moment of every day, every minute we're praying? Uh, does that mean uh, that we neglect casual conversation uh, in order to just pray at every moment? No, it, it doesn't mean that. Uh, in this context, when he's talking about unceasing prayer, he's saying never give up. Never give up. Up. It means whatever you do, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, even as we saw in Esther, no matter what the circumstance is, don't stop praying. Whatever is happening, don't stop praying. Yeah, I'm glad I got my aunt here this morning to be my amen corner. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, I do. Y'all could join there at any time in the amen section. I'll preach a lot faster if you do. Um, Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 9, because remember I told you I was going to go from 1 Thessalonians to Colossians. But I want to read something in Colossians as we get deeper into this idea of prayer. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, and it says this. This is Paul talking. He says, so we have not stopped praying for you. Since we heard, first heard about you, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, then it says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of His glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. Wow. I love this prayer. I love how Paul gives us this perspective on what it means to pray. And can I give you just a little background on this? Paul is saying even in light of difficult circumstances, I have not given up. More specifically, I have not given up on you. I keep praying. I keep praying, but here's what's so impressive, you all, about this, right? It's not just the fact that Paul is not giving up and that he is not giving up on the people, right? Um, more specifically, as he's praying, it's this, it's this latter part for me, that he is praying for others. He's praying for the Colossian church, and he says, give them some insight, God, on what you're doing on what unceasing prayer should look like. So if we read again, right, it says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you, and we ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you all spiritual wisdom 
and understanding. And then it goes on to say what Paul's prayer for them is in honoring God and pleasing the Lord and living a fruitful life. It is this beautiful prayer that he gives for the people there. And here's what's so impressive about this prayer that Paul is praying. Not only is it sincere, not only is it authentic, I think we ought to take note that Paul's prayer is being written from jail. <laughs> He's in prison as he writes this letter. Can I tell you something? As I read this, I thought to myself, how would I feel if I were Paul? I'm not sure I would be thinking about others if I were in his same circumstance. I mean, it would really be easy for Paul's prayers to be all about himself, right? It would be easy for his prayer time to be all about me. I, I, I mean, I think I would get it. I mean, most of us have experienced that in our prayer lives at some point or another where we find ourselves continually just kind of praying about ourselves. It's, it's all about us. And let, and let me say this, it's not that that is wrong, it's not that that's unusual, because in our lives we have necessities, we have concerns, we have things that are going on. And so, you know, it makes sense that we're asking God to meet us in practical ways on a daily basis, right? It would make sense if Paul decided, I'm not going to write a letter to this church. It would make sense if he would have just said, you know what, forget about this. This is, I got enough going on in my own life. But he doesn't even do that. Paul keeps praying. And here's the thing about what he's praying. It's so intentional. It is so good. It is so real. For the group of people he's praying for, it almost seems like Paul is asking for impractical things, impractical things, things that don't make any sense. He goes, God, would you give them complete knowledge of your will? Would you give them spiritual wisdom and understanding? He's, he's asking like for these almost supernatural sorts of things. God, give them complete knowledge of your will. Give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. I mean, if you are ever looking for ways to pray for people, right, you can pray, God, give them complete knowledge of your will. Give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you ever need to pivot and even pray for yourself, you can say, God, give me complete knowledge of your will. Give me spiritual wisdom and understanding is so important that we have that. The Bible even tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. If we were to read this in the message translation, it says, above all and before all, do this, get wisdom. You see how Paul's prayer is even biblical, right? He says, right, uh, in Proverbs it says, write this at the top of your list. Get understanding, 
throw your arms around wisdom. Then he says, believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. Never let her go. She will make your life glorious. I mean, I almost want to stop and just pray for wisdom. <laughs> because she will make our lives glorious. Doesn't that sound beautiful? We just heard today through the Word of God that wisdom will make our lives glorious. Who does not want a glorious life? And it's within reach. Paul's prayers, while they may seem impractical at first, they show us that they are centered on Christ. His prayers for this church, they are Christ-centered, they are gospel-centered. So he's just not praying for wisdom and knowledge. He's also praying, God help them to be centered on you. Help them to be centered on your good news. If you're ever looking for a daily prayer to pray, especially if things are particularly difficult in your life or perhaps in the life of someone you know, you can pray, God help them, help me to be centered on you. Help me to be centered on the gospel, and gospel means what good news. Right? That in the midst of everything, Paul is praying for them. He says, help them to get back to the center of it all, which is you. My God. God, help them to get back to the center of it all, which is you. That is my prayer for us today as a church. And when I say church, I just don't mean us here locally. I mean Big C Church. God, help us to get centered back on you. This is good stuff. If we're going to pray unceasing prayers, let us unceasingly pray prayers that lead us to be centered on Jesus. To be centered on Jesus. Because then he tells us if we were to go back to Colossians, right? In verse 10, he goes, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And then your life will produce every kind of good fruit. And all the while, you will grow. You will grow. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You will grow as you learn to trust God better and better. You will grow as you learn to rely on God better 
and better. Maybe unceasing prayer is about not only not giving up, but learning to trust God more and more. I don't stop praying because, God, I trust you. I don't stop praying because, God, I will never yield to this obstacle because you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ah, the power, the power of prayer. He goes, may our lives honor and please God. I don't want to just live any kind of life. I want to live a life that is pleasing to God. I want to live a life that is led by His Holy Spirit. That's why I am here today standing in this space, in this pulpit with this amazing community because I believe that God has a plan for our church. I believe that God has a plan for this community. I believe that God is leading us back to the place where we are centered on Him. And not to say that we weren't, but in the ways maybe that we have been pulled away. He is pulling us back to the center. Not only so that our lives can honor and please Him, but so they can produce good fruit. Can I tell you all a little side story because I like to do mid-sermon commentary. I hope nobody sends an email to a leadership team complaining about this. Can she do less commentaries in the future? I'll tell you now, no. Um, but it's something about good fruit, okay? I, I went shopping the other day, which I don't like to do a ton. I usually like to Instacart my groceries. Anybody else Instacart user? Come on, sis. Yes, okay? But this day, because I wanted to get some fruit, I went to the store myself because I wanted to get good fruit. I wanted to see the fruit that I was getting, you know? Especially with grapes, you know, it's touch and go. So I am that person, judge me not, that will take a grape. I don't think it's stealing. I feel like I'm just testing the product to make sure because I don't like sour grapes, right? So I, I, I want some good grapes, praise God. I want not any kind of apples. I'm not a pink lady, apple person, a Granny Smith apple person. I am a honey crisp apple person. Come on, next picnic, let's all bring honey crisp apples. Let's do it. Um, that was surprising. I mean, that caught me off guard, James. But I'm excited about that, guys. Anyway, but I, I like good fruit. And, you know, I, I want to go and I want to look at my mangoes, make sure they're right, because nothing is worse than cutting into the mango and you can't make it do what it needs to do, okay? Um, but if you are a fruit person, you don't want any old kind of fruit. You want good fruit. You want sweet fruit. You want fruit that is refreshing. You want fruit that you can enjoy. When I think about 
Paul's prayer, and he says, may your lives produce good fruit. I, I really hear him saying, may your lives produce sweet things. May your lives produce refreshing things. May your lives produce consumable things. May your life produce good fruit. May you grow as you learn to know Him better and better. See, this part of Paul's prayer is about our lives and our lifestyles. He goes, God cares about what's happening in your life. Like every piece of it, every part of it, He cares, He sees, He knows, right? And then He goes, because He cares, He sees, and He knows, He wants to impart all of these great things to you. Why does He want to impart all of these great things to you? He goes, He wants to do that so that you have a life that reflects Him, right? Because if we're going, God, let my life be centered on you. Let what I do, who I am, be centered on you. That means when people see me, when people see the fruit in my life, they have to see you. When they see the work that this church is doing, they have to see you because we are a group of believers, a body that are proactively moving towards living a life that reflects you. Jesus says in the Gospels, He goes, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, not centered on me, you can do nothing. You see how we have to begin and end with Jesus? That this fruit just doesn't come because we go, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make it happen. I mean, the Bible already tells us it is by grace that we are saved through faith, not by works, right? Lest any of us should brag or boast. Jesus reminds us it starts with Him. As we remain in Him, it will continue to live in and be in Him. When I think about this prayer that Paul's, Paul prays, I think the point of his prayer when it comes to the lifestyle piece is not about us walking around with, you know, spiritual badges of honor, right? It's not about us seeking to look righteous and perfect before everyone. It is not about us purporting religion and all of those things. It is not about displaying, you know, some pious disposition at all times. It is really about Him. It is about letting the life of Jesus flow through us fruitfully, fruitfully. And what was and is the life of Jesus about? What was Jesus's mission? To give you a glimpse, to seek and save the lost, 
<laughs> to restore broken people with broken bodies and broken souls, to rescue them from darkness, to relieve them from the burden of sin, because that's also what it looks like to live a fruitful life. This is what it should be about for us. And if we are not careful, we will tear down instead of build up. We will imprison people instead of setting them free. We will burden them instead of bringing them to Jesus. Paul's prayer is not sounding so impractical now, right? As we unpack it, he's going, God, help us to live a life that honors you. Help us to live a life that reflects you so that people can know you. And we just don't want people to know him. We want people to be changed by him, changed by you. Verse 11, right? Paul says, and we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. He would throw the word patience in there. Can I confess something to you all? Because the Bible says, confess your sins one to another. Be healed, right? I'm not a very patient person. Are there any other people who want to confess that to make me feel a little bit better? Okay, thank you, because I was starting to feel a little isolated. The rest of y'all patient people, y'all pray for us after service. All y'all come and lay hands on me, because uh, I saw a lot of people said, no, I'm very patient. I am not. I, I, you know, I struggle with patience. You know, and I say I struggle with because I, I'm working towards reflecting, you know, a life that looks like him, right? And so I like this part of Paul's prayer, you know, because I, I feel like maybe he had someone like me in mind. There was somebody at that church like me, right? And he says, Lord, give them the strength to endure, but give them the strength to be patient, right? It sounds like Paul is going, let them have strength and patience to endure. Here's what I think he's saying. Let them have strength and patience to endure difficult people in difficult circumstances. I got an amen right there. Because, I mean, some of us, not all of us, but there are a few of us in here who know about difficult people and difficult circumstances, yes? And what he's praying, as he's praying, it's starting to feel more and more realistic, more and more practical, especially at this point, right? Because Paul is not saying, let's just take this, you know, uh, leave it here, God, God bless you, so on and so forth. He's going, I'm praying that you have strength to endure and be patient. He's going, let's go deeper with this time of prayer. And I love it because a part of the results or the consequences of praying this kind of prayer of endurance, right? Uh, when we think about it, it's almost like, Paul, where are you going with this? Why pray for this endurance? Why I pray for this patience. And as I thought about that, I thought to myself, the words of Jesus from his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, came to mind where Jesus says, you have heard the law 
that says the punishment must match the injury. He goes, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer them the other cheek also. Help us, God. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true, true children of the Father of heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? <laughs> I see why Paul says give them strength to endure and to be patient because he knows, just as Jesus know, that we would encounter difficult situations and difficult people along the way. Because when I hear the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, from this sermon, it sounds like the sort of patience and endurance we are hoping for, it, it, it helps as we pray that prayer. It, it humbles us in a way. You know, it's just not about, oh, praying for your enemies. It's something about having to get low before the Lord when you come to a place of realizing, I need to pray for those who despitefully use me. Pray for those who do not love me and talk about me. It's something humbling about that. And it is in that place of humility that God embraces us, that He then exalts us. Why? Because He resists the proud, but then He gives grace and favor to those who are humble. Maybe that's why Paul says, give them strength, because he knows that as we would humble ourselves, that we would experience a greater grace, a greater favor, a greater experience of knowing him. It's not just about being patient when you're in the Starbucks drive through I was in a really long line the other day. But it's about being humble. It's about experiencing His grace and His favor. I mean, is Paul teaching us how to pray or what? But verse 12 in Colossians, he goes, May you be filled with joy. I'm so glad he put that in there too. May you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. Always thanking the Father. Why? Because he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belong to his people who live in the light. God gives us joy through gratitude. Are you low on joy? 
then maybe you might be low on gratitude. You might be low on thanking him. Because God just doesn't want us to endure this life. He wants us to live this life. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. So Paul could not possibly pray for people without praying for joy. Without praying for gratitude and thankfulness. Not only does it lead us to be centered on Jesus, but it's something about being centered on Jesus that helps us to be more grateful. Yeah. Then when I think about Jesus, <laughs> side commentary, my bad. Sorry, not sorry. My niece came to me yesterday. Uh, she was showing me, she said, T.T. Cole, you know, because they, you know, the young people love TikTok, okay? She said, can I show you a funny video? And, you know, because I'm nice, I said yes, but I kind of was like, oh, geez, another TikToker? Okay. And so she thought this video was so funny, and the video was of this lady in a church playing a tambourine, <laughs> and she was singing a song. When I think about Jesus and all he's done for me, when I think about Jesus and how he set me free, I could dance, 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 dance. And she started playing tambourine, and she started, any tambourine players in here? I used to try to play, but I'm not that, not that great. Maybe I'll bring one next Sunday just to switch things up, right? But she showed me this video, and she just was so amused um, by it. But then she started singing it. <laughs> She started running around the kitchen, and she's singing, when I think about Jesus, I could just dance, dance, dance all night. And it, it, it kind of ended up being humorous, but at the same time, it was something that resonated with this video that she seriously was like, that does make sense. That when I do think about Jesus, there is something that makes me want to dance. When I think about Jesus and what he's done for me, there is something that makes me want to rejoice. And I think sometimes that when we're in difficult circumstances, if we could get to a point when we think about Jesus and all he's done for us, maybe you could do a little dance, dance, dance. This is what the TikTok people do. <laughs> dance, dance, dance all night, right? When I really think about who he is and how he has set me free, how he has kept me, how he has picked me up and turned me around and then placed my feet, right, on solid ground, meaning he kept me when I didn't want to be kept. He kept me when I thought I was going to lose everything, thought I was going to lose my mind. God kept me. So when I think about Jesus, I mean, really think about Jesus, what he saved me from, what he delivered me from, I really could have joy. I really could dance, dance, dance all night. I know. That's the Sunday, you know, we, we should have a Sunday like that. Everybody wear their fitness watches and whoever gets the most steps wins. But there's something about having joy that is directly correlated to how satisfied we are in Jesus.
that if we were to take a moment right here in this moment and to think of something that he's done for you. And I'll give you a minute because I really do. I want you to think of something that he's done for you. Does it bring relief to your heart? Does it bring a smile to your face? Does it bring gratitude up in your soul? Does it bring you to a place of solemnity where you are just going, God, I'm so grateful that when you think about whatever that thing is, how could you not help but to say thank you? Is it okay if we all audibly say out loud, if you did think of something, will you just say thank you, Lord? One more time so the people in the street can hear us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> See, now everybody's going to want to come to church or be afraid. I don't know, but either way, they know what we're talking about in here, right? As I close, and Sarah, you can come up if you don't mind. Give us a little mood music, as I like to call it. Mood for worship is what I mean, yeah? Paul praised this dynamic, intentional, and powerful prayer. And he reminds us that unceasing prayer just kind of looks like not giving up. Not giving up even when things are really hard, but also not giving up on others. And perhaps you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've wanted to give up maybe on yourself, you've wanted to give up on someone who you know that God wants you to keep contending for faithfully. I want to encourage you to remember these words in this prayer of Paul. I want you to be encouraged. But not only do I want you to be encouraged, I, I want to say the same words over you that Paul prayed for the Colossian church, which is, may he give you all wisdom and knowledge. May he give you spiritual understanding. May he give you wisdom. May he give you a life that reflects who he is and that bears much fruit. May he give you the strength to endure, the strength to be patient. May he fill you with all joy as you continue to keep your eye on him. May you always be grateful and may you never stop praying. There's a quote 
from this book I read on prayer, and I can't remember the author right now, but the quote says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I am helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. I pray not because it changes God, but because it changes me. And so with that, I leave you saying, as you go into the rest of your day and the rest of your week, may you pray unceasing prayers. In Jesus' name, and we all say together, amen. Thank you.